It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here. This is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly, and I promise we're going to have a lot of fun today. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. Not too long ago, I revisited a book that was the first that I believe I ever read on my personal development journey. It's a book called The Magic of Thinking Big by Dr. David J. Schwartz. It was written in 1959, and the success principles are still true today. One of the chapters was about having the right attitude toward people. He talked about giving great value to others and having the mindset of giving more than people expect. Think about this for a second. If we simply do what is expected of us, it's not very memorable. But if you make the decision to go above and beyond to help people, serve people, and give them greater value than they pay for, it builds loyalty. People will always remember those who take that extra step. I can think of several examples of people like this in my own life, and I believe in many ways it has led to me getting some of the great guests that I've had on my show. When people see value in what you're doing, they will go out of their way to help you. So here's a recommendation. When you see a chance to help people, do it. Pay it forward. It helps them, and you'll probably feel a lot better because you contributed to something greater than yourself. Do it today. You'll be so glad you did. With that in mind, I want to introduce my guest. His name is Ken Posick. Let me tell you about him. He is a real estate expert and the founder CEO of the Posick Group, which is a real estate firm based in Orlando, Florida. He's an industry veteran with more than 15 years of experience, and he and his team help Orlando natives and out-of-towners alike settle on their dream home. Due to his leadership and expertise, the Posick Group is on track to earn, uh, generate $300 million in sales this year in 2022. He's a Disney enthusiast, and he believes Orlando is the real estate hotspot that everyone is missing. In order to keep clients up to date on recent news happening throughout the area, he created a newsletter called The Orlando the Orlando Real, and it provides insight into all things relating to theme parks, real estate, and daily life in Orlando. And since launching last year, The Orlando Real has grown to more than 14,000 organic subscribers. He also has more than 23,000 followers on YouTube, where he shares tips and tricks regarding the current real estate trends and developments in Orlando and more. I've checked out his YouTube page. It's really great. You should check it out. We have a lot to unwrap and unravel today. And so here we are with my very special guest, Ken Posick. Ken, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. So the first thing I usually like to ask is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are right now? I did. I didn't realize that it would happen so fast, but uh, but yeah, I definitely had an idea of where we were headed, and, and it was surprising that it sort of happened in, in five years instead of 20. That's fantastic. So what did your path look like prior to real estate? You know, it's, it's always been real estate um, since I was got out of high school, actually. And so I built up a, a team and a, a company up in Michigan, where I'm originally from, just outside of Detroit. Uh, came from very humble beginnings and that sort of thing. And then about five years ago, 
my wife and I were like, why do we, why do we still live where it snows? We could live, we could live anywhere. Right. And so I'm going to, I'm going to just pick up and start over somewhere. And, uh, so we had loved Florida. We came here all the time and, uh, we just, you know, big Disney fans, theme park enthusiasts and that kind of thing. And so we chose Orlando to start over with. And, uh, and it's, it's sort of the, the rest is history, if you will. Yeah, I grew up in Iowa where it snows all the time, and I moved to Arizona in 96, and I'm happy. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kid my friends and family about having to shovel sunshine in the winter. They don't think it's funny. They don't think it's funny, do they? I, I use the same the same joke, and I never get a laugh, but I laugh, and so you and I can share that. That's right, and that's what's important, right? If we amuse ourselves, then that's all that's, all that's important. <laughs> So let me ask you, because real estate can be very up and down, there have been probably a number of upticks and corrections during your career. Mm -hmm. What do you think was your rock bottom or defining moment in your career? You know, um, I, I got into the business as an investor and an appraiser, and this was in mm -hmm. 2003. And so um, I watched the market go up, right, right pre-recession. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, I couldn't flip houses anymore because banks stopped doing investor loans. And then all of a sudden the banks that I was doing appraising work for looked at me and said, Hey, we don't, we don't need you right now. And so I, I was newly married and looking around trying to figure out life. And, and I was like, this, this is terrible. So newly married, we had to sell all of our houses or all, we owned multiple investment properties, um, our cars, and we were eating out of the, the church's food pantry and, uh, just trying to scrape by. And, uh, so this was, you know, mid recession, just everywhere in Detroit was just sort of falling apart. And so, um, you know, I looked around and I said, I know real estate, I know that, you know, up and down markets, there's still opportunity. And so I just started cold calling banks. And I said, Hey, you guys, you guys have foreclosures here. I don't know much about foreclosures. I don't think any of us do. There's, you know, it's a new market, um, very different than where we were at prior to that. But we figured it out. And and so then, you know, over the next five, six years from there, we built a, a really sizable company, seven figures in in uh, in revenue. And um, and so, yeah, from from sort of the top to the bottom and then back up again. So you pivoted to the foreclosure market. Well, that's where the money was then. So mm -hmm. that that's what you have to do. Yeah. And and when when you have a, a rock bottom moment like that, you have to figure out where the opportunity is and then do all you can to learn about that opportunity. And it's something that resonated with you because it was investing. It was. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting because COVID hit and now I have this team of, you know, of team of people around me and they're looking to me like what's going to happen to the real estate market? You know, we're in a we're in an investor second home market what's what's going to happen you know when people aren't going to want to do this and so i'm like listen I, i've been through this before there's there's opportunity everywhere i i wish that i had money set aside last recession so that i could have invested in more real estate and so um i was just sort of like where's the opportunity for my team where's the opportunity for my clients and then i saw it more for uh, you know an upside i mean like listen covid was so terrible for so many people and yet when you're faced with those decisions on am i going to let this massively affect me uh, one way or the other, or am I going to win in regardless of my circumstances? When you choose the win, um, you know, the opportunities become endless. That's absolutely true. So why did you decide to be an entrepreneur? You said you decided on real estate pretty early. Were there family role models that you were following or were you just a rebel and you just wanted to go your own way? <laughs> yeah, my, my, my parents actually bought this, um, this no money down VHS series by Carlton Sheets. It was like yep. one of those those late night guys, right? And it was yep. like, just send me X amount of dollars and I'll make you rich. And so 
Um, one night when I was 15 years old, I came across these VHS tapes and I put them in and and I just started binging them. Like, and I'm like, if this guy can do it, I can do it. Right. And so it seemed like a path out of, out of the, the lower middle class for me. You know, we, you know, we grew up, you know, right above the poverty line, if you will. I mean, like my parents worked for the auto industry, you know, on the line sort of thing. Um, amazing salt of the earth people. All of my family are just amazing people. And yet I, I knew that I wanted more. And so real estate seemed like a path for that to me. Yeah. I know somebody who bought Carlton Sheets, no money down course, and he built a thriving uh, real estate investment company in the Tampa St. Pete area. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, he did very, very well for a long, long time. So real estate was always something that you were very passionate about then, correct? Yeah, it, it really was. And just, I think seeing it as a as a vehicle for, you know, everybody's got to live somewhere. And so seeing it as a, a vehicle for, for wealth building, and then eventually I learned the sales side and now the content marketing side. And um, I just think it, it plays really well with uh, with the strengths that, that I have. And, and then being able to teach others that has been really amazing, sort of switching over to the putting the teacher hat on and bringing uh, more people on the team and sort of growing out the organization that we've built out. It's been um, it's just been super rewarding. Yeah. What do you think it takes to be successful in your industry? Um, understanding that it's actually all about lead generation and not about actual real estate. Um, so people get licensed and and the statistic is that something like 85% of agents that get in the business fail within the first two or three years. And I think the big piece of it is, our, you know, the number one reason you ask, like, why did you get licensed? They say, well, I love real estate. I love houses. I love kitchens and baths. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. And, and that's all important. But like, if you don't learn client, client attraction and, and then not being really salesy about it, Mm-hmm. None of that other stuff matters. And so um, we got really, really good at content marketing and client attraction. And then throughout that, you become a good agent. You become, you know, there's there's plenty of mentors and coaching programs to make you a better negotiator and learning your craft. But if you don't learn that lead generation portion, then you'll you'll be out of the business. Yeah, absolutely. So you see lots of real estate TV shows, investor TV shows on HGTV and the like. Do you right. think those shows are a help or a hindrance to educating the market? I think it's a hindrance, you know, and I know a lot of the guys on the shows and it's like, you know, they, it, 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 it gets ad revenue, right. But it doesn't, those, I, you know, they had house hunters call me and they're like, Hey, so we're looking for a, a couple that also lives with their parents and, and we need a couple like this that you've already sold a house to. And then we're just going to go back and like reshoot the houses that they already saw. And then we'll create a show as if they chose it. Right. And so the script is that they're, you know, figuring out this thing along the way. But and the reality is that they've already figured it out. The same thing with the flipping scene. It can be mm-hmm. really like, you know, it's easy money. Right. Well, finding a house is really hard in this market mm-hmm. to make money and then coming up with the capital and then having the expertise to actually make money through the process. It can be a little tough. Yeah. And I, I sometimes think when I watch these shows, OK, what time frame did all of this happen in? And right. then when they tell you how much of a profit there was, they don't tell you what the closing costs were and what the real estate right. commissions were. There's a lot of things they leave out. They make it sure. sound much more lucrative than it probably actually is. Yeah, this is going to be a slam dunk. Anybody can do it, right? Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we've got less than two minutes to our first break. So I want to ask you, Ken, what is the most expensive mistake you've ever made? It can be financial, but it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. It can be a time opportunity thing. It can be... Uh, a time energy thing, an opportunity lost, but what's the most expensive mistake you think you've made? 
I think uh, not leveraging earlier, you know, thinking that I could do it all myself, the the paperwork, the marketing, the clients, you know, the client retention, the systems, just all of that sort of thing. If I could have learned the, the leverage game earlier on, meaning like success through people, um, I could have made a lot more money a lot sooner. And so I've leaned into that really hard over the past two or three years. And I think that that's really what took us from, you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars in revenue base to where we'll do, you know, four million, five million in revenue this year. And that's the big difference. Fantastic. We're coming up against our very first break. My very special guest is Ken Posick, and we are going to be talking about real estate and we're going to be talking about Orlando and we're going to be talking about building a thriving agency. And we have a lot to go over when we come back this is success profiles radio please stay with us don't go away and if you have ever thought about getting into real estate we would be very very happy to have you listen to the rest of the show because this is going to be really fantastic we'll be right back this is success profiles radio The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. think engaging in small talk with prospective clients before business negotiations is a good idea? A new study from Nova Consulting Group suggests that it all depends on whether you are male or female. The study found that a little chatter by female professionals before a meeting will generally produce a positive image but not always positive results. However, male professionals who begin negotiations with a little small talk usually glean favorable returns. This is because there is a preconception that women are already expected to be more communicative than men. And when a man makes small talk, he is perceived as friendlier and likable. But beware that babblery or gossip will only get you into trouble. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Ken Posick. And we're talking about real estate. And we're talking about what it's like in the Orlando area to uh, grow and invest and how we can extrapolate some of those principles nationwide. So, Ken, I want to ask you, what is your big overarching mission um, so my overarching mission is to help as many people on my team become a millionaire and succeed in whatever that they're looking to do. So um, being able to leverage our brand and our system to hit their why. And, and really, that's like what's really driving me at this point. 
that's really a, a very cool mission, helping everyone on your team become a millionaire. Not everyone thinks like that. So I applaud that. That's really fun. So let's talk about your decision to start your own agency. I mean, you probably worked for other people first, I'm guessing, but what is it that made you decide to start your own? Yeah, so I'm still I'm still underneath the uh, the the moniker or the brand of Keller Williams, but they allow you to sort of brand your own team and sort of start your own thing. And we've talked about going out completely on our own so many times. And at the end of the day, just being able to leverage 200,000 agents worldwide is kind of what keeps us here so far. Um, but starting your own team and sort of as before the break, we talked about leverage and how that's kind of was one of the biggest mistakes that I I didn't tackle. Um, and so for us, it was just like, I know I'm good at one thing and mm -hmm. one or two things anyways. And usually there's a few other, you know, same, same thing for with you, Brian. I don't know if like you feel like, Hey, you're really good at one or two things and everything else is probably leveraged out in your life one way or other. Like you're not also here editing as we're talking and then right. posting this other way, you know? Right. And right. so I, 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 early on was like, okay, how can I bring on people that um, might be really good at sales, but terrible at the back end, or maybe they're really good with people, but they're terrible at lead generation. And let me solve all of those sort of things. And so that's kind of become the puzzle that we're working through. Absolutely. And I think you, you hit it right on the head. You have to figure out the stuff that either you're not good at or the things that you should not be spending time on yourself. I mean, with my magazine, for example, I have no graphic design skills, none. So right. I sourced that out immediately. And that all by itself was so helpful. What were some of the special challenges you had to overcome as you built your career? You know, I think I think bringing on um, so especially from the team perspective, it's it's really just bringing on people just to bring on people like, hey, you're a nice person. Why don't you come work with me? Right. Uh, and figuring out for us, we've distilled it down to a very small thing. It's just are they going to be a culture fit? And do we think that their values align with ours? And so they could be, you know, there's so many slick salespeople in the real estate industry or here locally, there's the timeshare industry, which we don't really do any of. Um, but you have all of these really slick, amazingly good people on the phone, but maybe they don't align with you culturally. And so um, figuring out exactly what this person's after, who they are, what their big why is, is something that uh, that I love figuring out. And uh, and that's really how we build our organization. And I think how we're, we're, we're growing so fast. That's fantastic. Do you think selling real estate in Orlando is more challenging than in other markets? Or is it more difficult because there's so much more competition because that's where everyone wants to be? <laughs> so yeah, we, we've gone from uh, 16,000 realtors to over 24,000 realtors in the past like four years. Uh, the pandemic hit and everybody decided, you know, instead of being an actor at Disney, I'm going to go get my real estate license. And so uh, the crazy thing is, though, our our inventory, the housing for sale is down like 40 percent. So you have, you know, darn near double the agents with significantly less homes to sell. And so the competition is really, really high. Um, and so for us, it's just kind of helping, how do we stand out in the market it becomes sort of our big, our big thing. And so we lean into this content marketing piece. And so the YouTube channel and the newsletter have really been our saving grace and being able to kind of move from being that functionary of just opening a door for somebody and moving into more of a fiduciary where we're like, Hey, this is the house for you because of all of these reasons. And here's how we're going to help educate you, whether you're looking to buy now or five years in the future. And whenever that might be, that's okay. Awesome. So this real estate market has been red hot for a while, probably longer than most people expected it. No one has a crystal ball, but eventually there has to be a correction, right? 
<laughs> you think so? Yeah, you, you definitely think so. It's a great question that we all try to figure out. If you yeah. look at the amount of demand in the market, though, right now versus the amount of inventory, I feel like we still have a really good run for 2022. It's really going to be that interest rate dependent sort of deal. Um, you know, if the Fed continues to blast up rates as they're projecting, then 2023 could be something that, you know, finally stalls us out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's so much equity in the market. I don't feel like we're going to have a housing recession. There might be a stock market dip. There might be other things, other factors. But when you look mm-hmm. at the real estate market, I think this year at the very least is going to be it's going to be very strong. There's no indicator that would say otherwise. Do you find that some of your potential clients are concerned about that? All the time. Yeah, this is a, a constant education. And so I look at it and I say, listen, are, are you looking to buy a house and flip it in a year or two years? Or is this something that you want to lock in your interest rate, which are still super low, and you have the ability to figure like a fixed payment? And then if you're th- and if you're thinking five, seven, ten years down the road, then who cares what happens in the short term? Uh-huh. You're focused in on what's happening today. And I don't have a crystal ball. So what uh-huh. I can tell you is that rents right now, rents in rents in Orlando went up 37% last year. Uh-huh. Can you afford your rent payment to go up another? 30% and they say no. Okay, great. So let's get you into a home, lock in that payment. Now you've got a write-off for your house, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. You do something you actually own. You're going to start building equity. And you know, that that's the way that we we pitch it. And and I wholeheartedly believe I'm still buying real estate myself today. And if the market uh-huh. started to dip, I would continue to buy real estate because I'm a long-term hold guy compared to uh-huh. so many folks that are like, well, I'm just trying to get rich quick. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So for those who are investing, then the price of the home is probably a little less important because they're renting it out, they're generating cash flow and using that to pay their mortgage with, right? You got it. Absolutely, I love that. So do you work with a lot of investors? A lot of investors all from all over the world. So some folks wanna buy an Airbnb. Um, mm-hmm. They just wanna offset their their vacation home. They wanna come over. It's amazing. I, I you know, Brian, I, I wish we had this here. It, <laughs> they have like in the UK, they, they go on holiday for like a month. Um, we don't really do that very much so in the US, no. but um, but so they want to come over, use their house for a month and then rent it out while they're not here. And so we get a lot of people from the UK, a lot of people from Canada, Brazil, and um, and then just from all over the US where they want to, to buy a second home. And then we also have just investors, just the normal folks that, yeah. you know, they want to buy uh, cash flow real estate in a place that is appreciating. Yeah, I know that. Well, I had the experience of uh, trying to rent out my home as an Airbnb at a place in my life when I couldn't afford to keep it. So it was my way of keeping my home a little bit longer. Sure. And I found out that my HOA apparently did not allow that. Mm, yeah. So I got shut down. So when an investor is looking to buy an Airbnb, is part of what you do knowing which HOAs allow it and which ones don't? Or can you help them figure that out before they express a real big interest in a house? Yeah, that, that's what we specialize in. So because Orlando, really only 20% of Orlando can you actually Airbnb, um, the city of Orlando itself doesn't allow Airbnbs other than one third of your house. And so to put that example, like if you have a three bedroom house, you can you know Airbnb out one bedroom. Well, nobody's doing that. But no. a lot of people have like garage apartments. So they'll Airbnb out their garage apartment while they live in the main dwelling. Uh, mm-hmm. But south of south of like say the Disney area, there's actually developments that are all in on Airbnb. Airbnbs like when you get the house, it doesn't even come with a mailbox, and you can't send your kids to school because the developer didn't pay impact fees. So it's like they're literally just set up for vacation rentals. So we can help you navigate that whole process, and it's something that that we do quite a bit of. 
Wow, that's absolutely amazing. So your sales goal for the year is to generate $300 million in sales, and that's a very aggressive goal. When mm -hmm. you look at your sales performance year over year, how do you decide what your next goal is? You know, I think that we look at the amount of um, people that we're attracting via leads and that sort of thing, people that are reaching out and say, okay, where's our bandwidth here? And how many people do we need to attract to our team uh, on the sales side and the infrastructure? And so uh, that's kind of how we're looking at it. Um, you know, I, I looked at year over year, how many folks that we we missed out on, like meaning people reached out, but we weren't able to help them fast enough. And so that's kind of how we benchmark just that goal. And uh, and so, yeah, this year we looked up and we said, OK, based on the amount of influx of leads that we have and our average conversion, as long as I hire this many agents into our team, then we should be able to hit our goal. And, and so far we're on track. Fantastic. So do you hire uh, mostly experienced agents or do you take beginners and train them, too? Yeah, we, we have two two programs, two paths for people that join our team. Um, we have the junior agents. And so that's person just got licensed, doesn't really know what they're doing. And they've got a just a massive amount of training they have to go through. And, and it's like a, you know, a four month program. And most people can't even afford to make it to four months, you know, and so we're very clear up front. Hey, this is six months of you essentially coming in with maybe not income, but we need to train you up so that you're actually ready to work with our clients, uh, which is different because most agencies, they'll just say, hey, you got your license. Good luck. And, and throw yeah. you to the wolves. Right. So we've got a very, you know, they're, they're shadowing us on appointments and inspections and appraisals and taking extra classes just to make sure that they're they're going to come out knowing what they need to know and really serve our clients at a really high level. And then the flip side is, yeah, we do try to attract uh, new or, or more experienced agents that might be looking for more leverage in their life, more uh, opportunities in their business. And so that, that's been really good as well. Yeah. And Keller Williams is a fantastic organization. In fact, I worked with a Keller uh, Williams agent. That was the last job I had before striking out on my own business. And uh, I was doing cold calling. I was oh, calling no kidding. Yeah, I was calling people in the community, trying to invite them to open houses. I was also trying to assess whether someone was uh, willing to buy or sell or what they're thinking of. And what's so funny about Arizona being a, a destination like yeah. Orlando is, a lot of times when I would call during the year, I would reach people and the phone was forwarded to, you know, their home in Chicago or in Nashville. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're not in Arizona now. We only go there in the wintertime. Oh, okay. Oh, kidding. Yeah. yeah. So then I asked them, so you plan on coming back? I mean, what do you think your plans are? Uh, you know, trying to find out if they're going to try and sell their second home. No, we're sure. going to enjoy it for a few more years. We're not done traveling. Cool. Nice. But yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I, I enjoyed that. And I can see where that can be a path to someone wanting to be an agent if you want to. So with regard to your $300 million uh, sales goal, how do you plan on getting there? What is the what is the path? What is the plan? So for us, it, it starts it starts and ends with content marketing, and and if we do a really good job with that, which we have so far, um, you know, we have a, a basically our funnel, and we say, okay, if we get an X amount of people that sign up for a newsletter and that subscribe to the YouTube YouTube channel, we know that that's going to turn into X amount of leads. We get X amount of leads, and it turns into X amount of sales. And so, uh, so for us, we've we've got you know three freelance writers, we've got a full time videographer, somebody that handles social media, and so we're going really really heavy on the content side because if we do that well all the other problems sort of uh, work themselves out, if you will. Yeah. And they aren't required to have their license, correct? Yeah, not on the content marketing side, right? Because we're just talking about Orlando. Like we talk about yeah. theme parks and just the best bar, the best restaurant, and try to like just pe let people know all the cool spots here. And mm -hmm. uh, when we're able to hit that right, we get them in our wheelhouse regardless of wherever they're at in life. 
Fantastic. We're coming up against our next break. My guest is Ken Posick. We're talking about real estate and we will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will be right back when we return. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. you're in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Ken Posick, and we're talking about real estate today. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please do that. Even leave a review. That would mean an awful lot to me. And if you've not picked up my latest book, The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Dad, that came out in December. That book was written after my dad passed last year in February, and I reflected on some of the great lessons I learned from him throughout my life and invited a bunch of other people to collaborate. That is on Amazon. I can't wait for you to enjoy that as well. So, Ken, before the great break, we were talking about how your yearly sales goal this year is $300 million in sales. And we mm -hmm. talked about how you plan on getting there, content marketing. You have freelance writers, videographers, and a whole team. Are you on pace for that currently? Yeah, we sure are. So we've got, uh, we're at 95 million closed and pending with a ton of other stuff in the pipe. So yeah, it's very exciting. That is very exciting. So for people out there in sales who may not be on pace for their current sales goals, how do you recommend we get back on track? Yeah, I think you have to look at, uh, you know, where, where are you succeeding, right? Are you, are you past clients? Are you sphere of influence? Like where's your business currently coming from is, is there something that you can improve on there? Uh, and then do you need to fix your funnel? I think is the other thing you need to think about. Like, so if you're getting a bunch of leads coming in, but you're not converting those, that's a problem. Uh, and so I find that most people have a lead gen or consistency problem. Like in my world with the, with the content marketing, it's like, you know, Hey, I put out a video and then 
it works, but then I get so busy that I stop putting out videos and then mm -hmm. I have no leads, right? And then, right. then the pipeline dries up and here we go again. So I think that um, if you stay super consistent with what you're doing and whatever that is to generate leads, then you focus in on the whole lead conversion piece of it, get really good at that. Then a lot of the other things just start sort of get to be solved from there. Absolutely. And we've hinted at what makes you different from other real estate agencies and offices. But tell us, I mean, you content marketing certainly is something you do very differently than a lot of other people do, I imagine. What else? You know, I think that that's that's the main thing. We, we hire agents that are very, very good at what they do. You know, the average agent here in Orlando sells three homes a year. Our average agents sell 40 to 50. And mm. so, um, you know, you're just dealing with a higher caliber of agents. And so, um, you know, they're, they're also investors. They're also homeowners. And, and many agents, that sounds like a no-brainer, but most are not. And then we make them experts in whatever area that they're going to serve. So we talked about investing in Airbnbs before. Well, I have people on my team that that's, they live and breathe investing in Airbnbs. They meet with the CPAs and the international accounting firms and the local Airbnb builders and the HOAs. And they're just really digging into all of this so that they can be the resource for the clients when they reach out. And I think that that's just, it, it seems like a no brainer. You would expect every agent to do this, but I can tell you just knowing the the general consensus of the agents out there that that's not true. And then the other piece is just, we've created a marketing company that happens to, or a media company that happens to sell real estate. And it's just mm -hmm. for us, we want to improve someone's life uh, from A to Z. Yeah. And I, I love that. I want to talk about some of that too, because the idea that you are a, basically a media company that sells real estate is a very interesting way to flip this all on, on its head. So tell us about the Orlando real. This is something that's really incredibly cool. Well, thank you. So you just the, the average agents out there, they, you know, how do they get business? It's either somebody that they know, or maybe they do an open house or, uh, or something like that. Right. Or they buy leads from say Zillow or realtor.com, which are very expensive by the way. Like every time, I don't know, Brian, have you ever been on Zillow or realtor.com and you were like, yep. that house looks kind of fun and one, two, three yeah. main street. I'm going to ask for more information. Right. Okay. So every time you do that, some agent somewhere is paying somewhere between like 150 and $300 to get your information that you just put into the website. Mm, that's a lot. It's a lot. Right. And, and here's the crazy thing is that it typically takes 30 leads in order to close one sale. And so you're paying, you know, seven, eight, nine thousand dollars to hopefully get one sale. It's just not super profitable. And so we thought, OK, how can I not pay for leads? And, and you know, oh, by the way, as soon as you stop paying for those leads, you stop getting the leads. That's yeah. a novel idea. Right. So right. Uh, so we were like, okay, how, how can we build our own asset that I can get a ton of people in the funnel that will be, you know, love our content in one way or the other that when it comes time to buy and sell that we're the only one they think about so we created the orlando reel which is all things real estate uh theme parks and life in orlando and now uh, we're just talking we're blogging about how much we love orlando we're like legitimately all orlando fans and uh and it tracks our tribe and, and those tribe refer us a ton and they reach out when it's time to buy or sell and so that's been a lot of fun i, I find that most salespeople real estate is specifically is like, okay, once you're done buying or selling house, you don't really think about your realtor ever again. Like right. the average real, the, the NAR, like national association of realtors had a stat that it was like 80% of the people would use their agent again, if they could only remember their name. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. In fact, I can, I can attest to this because I have bought and sold 
three different homes and I have not ever used the same agent twice. How crazy is that? It's so crazy. And they probably did a fairly good job, right? And yes, so they did. You know, it, what, what the problem is with with marketing or just agents, and they're they're usually sending out apple pie recipes or like you know the newest interest rates, and you're like, okay, I I can't get the same email every week about what interest rates are doing. I don't care. I already bought my house, uh -huh. and so we're like, okay, well, what if we what if we told them about the new developments, the new uh, the new maybe the new administration from like the mayoral race standpoint, um, the newest thing Disney and Universal is doing, and 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 just kind of get into that local scene uh, a bit more, and then. Lo and behold, the POSIT group becomes the only sponsor, and that's how we we gain Mindshare. That's absolutely fantastic. So is this just a site that people go to, or do you email updates? How do you do that? Yeah, so they can go to the theorlandoreal.com, and then, and then it pops up a newsletter. And so we email that newsletter out. As of this morning, we had just over 16,000 subscribers, and um, we've only been doing the newsletter for five months, so it's wow. growing pretty quick. Um, and then the, the, the YouTube channel is another way that we get people in the funnel to sign up for the newsletter as well. Um, and so we've got, you know, almost 25,000 subscribers there. So between the two, that's how we stay in touch with people. That's absolutely fantastic. So let's talk about your YouTube channel. Where did you get the idea that maybe this was something you needed to pursue? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I started the whole YouTube thing. It was very much so trying to learn Orlando myself because like I said, I'm not from here. And a friend of mine was like, hey, I've got this YouTube channel. I just shoot model home tours and every once in a while people reach out to me. I was like, that seems cool. I could do that. So I grabbed my cell phone and I just started going around new towns, new neighborhoods and just showing off the builders models. And I would get their permission and like, hey, can I show off the kitchen and the bath for this YouTube channel that I got? And then one day I did a video that was like the top 10 things you didn't know about Celebration Florida, which is the town Disney built. And I was like, I'm just going to flip around my camera and 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 talk about these things. Right. And so um, I, I post that video, edited it myself. And I had 40,000 views within the first month and I was getting calls like every week. Mm. I was like, oh, I'm onto something here. Wait a minute. Like this is this is very different than what I'm used to, which is mm -hmm. cold calling and chasing people and being that commodity. Instead, these people are reaching out to me, right. asking me, how can I, you know, how can they work with me? How can they fit into my schedule? And I'm like, this is very weird. So, mm -hmm. um, so we flipped it and we just started putting out videos on like, you know, moving to Orlando, moving to these top areas, the top gated communities, the top three reasons why not to move to Orlando, the top mm -hmm. five best places to live in Orlando and those kind of things. And so uh, we've put out over 420 videos now and uh, millions and millions of views. And, and again, that organic traffic turns into a significant amount of business. That is fantastic. So how do you build a subscriber list on YouTube? Cause I think that's a bit mysterious for a lot of people. Yeah, I think the number one thing is you have to think about not shooting videos that are just about you. Like I don't start the videos that are like, hey, this is Ken Posick with Keller Williams and I'm the greatest agent. I've been doing this for over 15 years now. And, you know, here's why you want to subscribe to my channel. And, and I think that that's the kind of content that people put out mm -hmm. uh, instead. Like I don't know about you, like when I first started going on YouTube, it was like how to change a tire how mm -hmm. to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that if you can focus in on solving a problem, being that sort of like humble concierge, uh, and then you're shooting videos that also match, like match keyword search, which mm -hmm. is what we focus in on. Like what are mm -hmm. people looking for on Google? And then we need to pop up there. And so uh, that's what we shoot. We, we, we try to solve a problem um, with the person looking to buy a home in Orlando or move to the area. And when we do that, you know, lo and behold, we show up and then they get caught in our web and turn into sales. That's fantastic. Do you think there's a 
optimal length for the videos that you're doing? Because people have short attention spans. You don't want your videos to be an hour long, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's wild. So um, we, we, we've tested it. And so YouTube rewards watch time, meaning mm -hmm. that if you are on, if, if you shoot a 15 minute long video and people only watch a minute of that, YouTube will stop suggesting your video in the results. Mm. But if you shoot a 15 minute long video and people watch 12 minutes of it, they're going to like, they, they're, Hey, you caught people on our site. They didn't bounce. You're a good video. So the answer to YouTube video marketing is that you want it to be as long as possible while also keeping retention. And mm -hmm. so that's the game that we play. Um, so our, our ideal video for our channel we found is somewhere around eight minutes. Um, we can keep people's attention for a good portion of that. And YouTube seems to like our, seems to like our channel. Um, but again, like we've all been taught, especially in the content marketing piece that like, oh, under a minute or under 30 seconds, people don't have long attention spans. Well, maybe if you interrupted their day, you, you interrupted mm -hmm. their scroll uh, with, with your content, uh, they might only have 30 seconds before they're on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. But if they go to YouTube and they're trying to learn something, oh, yeah. you can keep them there for a lot longer. Oh, YouTube is my friend. I mean, gosh, I mean, I, I look at YouTube, well, not just for music, but just to, to learn how to do something. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And, and putting out consistent content is absolutely critical, right? You can't just do it once and think, well, where is everyone? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, you know, I, I, so I teach a lot of realtors across the country how we do this. And I always tell people like, Hey, you, you didn't hold one open house and that was your whole career. Was it like you, mm -hmm. you didn't, you did you, and you weren't amazing at it the first time you did it either, but mm -hmm. they all nod their heads like, yes, yeah, that's correct. Okay, great. So just like you had to do more than one open house to build a book of business, the same way you have to build building blocks of this content marketing piece. And so mm -hmm. for us, we shoot at least two pieces of content a week for YouTube. I think most people could start with one a week. Uh, and so one of them is a long form uh, YouTube live, like every Saturday, every other Saturday we do a live. It's an hour long and people hang out that long, which is crazy. And then we have more of a produced video uh, midweek as well. And so uh, if you're super consistent with that and you just stick with it, going back to your point, uh, that's mm -hmm. when you're gonna win. Fantastic. We are coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. We're having so much fun here. Um, I, I do want to ask very, very quickly, what do you think are maybe one or two of the key differences between videos that get higher viewership and ones that don't have very many? You know, if you go too too niche, like, you know, if you're for in like in, in my realm, if it's like, hey, I want to show you this one little house over here, that's not really going to pop off. But if you can broaden it just enough to get a bigger audience, then those are typically the ones that end up taking off a lot more. Like I have a shack video I can tell mm -hmm. you about, like we toured Shaq's house. that got a million views wow. compared to like, hey, my, my my team is awesome, like gets no views, that kind of thing. Right. Absolutely. We will come right back. Right after the break, this is Success Profiles Radio, and down the stretch we come. When we return, we will be right back. Please stay with us. Don't go away. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If 
you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Ken Pozek, and we are talking about real estate and building a real estate team and uh, investing and a lot of other things relating to real estate and, and building building your practice and, and marketing yourself. It's absolutely fascinating. I love that. So I would love to ask, uh, Ken, joint partnerships are valuable to people who are building a business. How have joint partnerships been important to your practice? So we have a we have a quite a few joint partnerships with like our title companies and our mortgage companies. I think that that has been key to be able to sort of connect everything for our agents. And so our goal with so much of our our vendors and who we are is like, you know, what if we could have a world where we sell someone a home and then we set up like, you know, we have our home inspector go through and we say, hey, um, how old is the water tank? How old is the roof? How old are the windows, the, the fridge, the stove? And then we could send out alerts that say, hey, by the way, your roof is getting to be a little old. Would you like a free mm -hmm. quote? And if you use our quote and our vendors, uh, you get 10% off. And so we're actually building that system out right now. And so our our, our, our joint venture uh, with, with our partners is like, it's just massively important to make sure that behemoth of an undertaking actually happens. And so um, I feel like nobody succeeds alone in, in, in this business right. or any. And so uh, you know who you choose to partner with really does matter. Absolutely. And so how do you decide who you partner up with? Because it's hard to know who to trust. It's it, people self-report how amazing they are, but you have to figure that out. Hopefully you're not making a huge mistake by <laughs> trusting someone. They sell, yeah, self-reporting, you know, you going on Yelp, giving your own five-star reviews and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so, you know, asking people for, you know, if you're out there listening and you're thinking like, you know, you want to get a good roofer, like who would you do first? You go call your aunt Sally. Hey, I heard you got a roof a few years ago. Were you happy? And so that's where we start first. We ask our clients, um, our sphere, Hey, who's, who have you used over the past year that you are really impressed with? And then let's see if we can't you know, vet them a little bit better and, and go a little bit deeper. And so that's, that's who we go. We, we go off referral almost solely and, uh, and then build our vendor network. And then we top grade and we say, Hey, listen, if we're sending you people and we're not getting great reports back, uh, you're overcharging or not showing up on time. We'll, we're, we're going to top you great top grade you out of the system. And so everybody from our, again, our mortgage company, our insurance companies. Um, so that's a, that's a, I wouldn't say a, a struggle, but it's a, a constant thing that we're, we're trying to fine tune mm -hmm. to make sure that we're, we're offering the, the greatest service for our clients. Fantastic. Now, over the last few years, there have been a proliferation, proliferation of do-it-yourself sites, bypassing the agent, saving on commissions. What is are those are those legit? Are I mean, what what can what can you expect by doing something like that instead of working with a professional? Totally. So 
there's uh you know zillow offers was one of them right zillow we talked about zillow earlier they were going out and hiring agents in-house paying them a salary and just going out and doing cash offers on people's home and they're like hey skip going on the market skip all of that kind of stuff you just pay us a flat fee sell us your house and then you can move out whenever you want and so they had a lot of people do this and um you know but at the end of the day it was like okay open competition actually nets you the most amount of money and so if that's something that you need in regards to like a very quick sale all cash close whenever you want then maybe one of these, like we call them I buyers, is something that you need to do. By the way, Zillow offers went out of business. They lost $800 million and they actually canceled hundreds of contracts on people um, right. because they, they weren't able to flip the home, right? They were like, you know, buying a $400,000 house for 410 mm-hmm. and then trying to sell it for 440 and the market wasn't catching up quick enough. So then they mm-hmm. had to sell it for a loss. Anyways, yeah. uh, but those programs are out there and and there and there's plenty of investors that will give you a cash offer. But at the end of the day, what we found is that the open market tends to get you better terms and better, better money. I mean, mm-hmm. because you have, you know, a thousand people looking at your house instead of one. Mm-hmm. And so, again, so if you're, you're going in that process, I think you actually should look at both. I think you should get a cash offer and then have, you know, your local agent that's that specializes in your neighborhood out and see which one's going to net you the most amount of money in that process. That's excellent advice. I love that. So let me ask you, how did COVID change your business? And are those changes still a part of your business model now? Yeah. So, so much of our business was international. And so we had to very, very quickly pivot. (laughs) We had to look around and and say, okay, that, that market's not there anymore. And, and what we found was that a lot of people wanted to leave New York, Jersey, California, just all places that were maybe a little bit more shut down than others. And they were flocking here. So our message changed instead of, Hey, are you an international home buyer? It was like, Hey, are you a domestic buyer looking for a vacation home? Or maybe you're just looking to move to Florida. And so, um, we were shocked to see how many people responded to that. And so I think you have to look at the market of the moment, you know, again, if you're in the real estate business or any, any business and figure out where is your niche, where are your, where's your ideal client looking? And then you create the marketing to match the moment. That's fantastic. Let's discuss mindset as a foundation because that's where everything really begins. I mean, you have to believe that you truly deserve success. So how do you set yourself up for that? Yeah, I think, um, the mindset for success is is an interesting one because I mean we have my wife and I thankfully we have more money than we like need at this point like I don't need to continue to grow and I think that if you don't focus in on your why which I've shared earlier is my people if I don't focus in on them and what they're after then I could very much so get apathetic and start working backwards or just kind of like stall out and so I think that you know if you're a tech startup or you're a, an agent or you're a, an author you have to figure out like do you really believe in what you're doing do you really believe that what you're going to do is going to affect positive change in the world and if if it is then you should keep going and so that's how for me I keep a very sharp positive mindset, uh, a success mm-hmm. mindset, and and it's helped us continue to grow. Fantastic. What would you say are some of your favorite productivity tapes, uh, tips to get stuff done quickly? A time, I mean, time blocking is like the age old one that we all, everybody on my team and, and I still use today. And so really it's boring because I, I eat at the same place for breakfast. I eat at the same place for lunch. And I always say that like choice is the enemy of like 
done and getting stuff done, right? It just like wears on your on your mental will. And so um, so so we have our sort of things time blocked out for us is probably our number one productivity hack. And then usually utilizing the technology that you have in place. So for us having lead follow-up systems in place to make sure that every lead every time gets taken care of is how we stay successful and growing. If you start leaving it towards your, you know, you're just your your mind or the notes on your on your phone, you're probably going to leave some money on the table. And so uh, those two productivity things are, are what we lean on really hard. Fantastic. How do you know what to say yes or no to? Because there's a lot of demand on your time. Man, I wish I I wish I was better at saying no. I say yes to almost everything, uh, unfortunately, now. But I'm getting to the place where I have to sit, look, like reprioritize and figure out, is this going to get me towards my goal or not? Is this a distraction or not? Is this going to take me away from my family? And is that actually worth it or not? Um, all of those kind of things uh, for, for me. So I think, you know, prioritizing and then figuring out, is me saying yes to this causing me to say no to something else? And if that's the case, are you okay with that? And so that's something I'm constantly working on and trying to get better with. That's actually really, really profound is saying yes to this, causing me to say no to something else. And I think we have to take a look at what is the opportunity lost by the decision that we're making as well. That's profound. Gratitude, huge topic. How important is that for you? Yeah, I mean, that's our, that's our, our home motto is just how grateful that we are. And, and, and we, you know, driving the kids to school in the morning, that's the, the first thing we ask is, so tell me something you're grateful for over the past week or over the past day. And we make everybody go around. So it's kind of like Thanksgiving dinner every morning. Remember that when you were a kid, like, Hey, mm -hmm. everybody, let's go around and say what you're thankful for. Yes. Uh, but I think that that frames your, your mindset for the day, right? If you come from a positive mindset, instead of all of the things that are wrong, like we all have things that are wrong in our life that can affect us or sway us one way or the other. But if you focus in on the gratitude first, it's going to allow you to make better decisions. You're going to be in a more positive state. And, uh, and so for that, um, that, that right there has definitely changed because again, the past two years, man, I don't know about you, but it, it just, you're, you're inundated with everything's going wrong, right? The, everybody's sick, everybody, you know, the economy's up and down, gas prices, mm -hmm. Ukraine, Russia, there's so many things that you that could get you down. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you fill yourself with, with gratitude, uh, I think that that's how you keep yourself moving forward when other people decide to check out. Absolutely. How do you connect with people? What are your strategies? I try to, I try to not uh, talk about myself. I mean, this goes back to our content strategy, but I think mm -hmm. asking more questions will open up your world to so many more things. And so instead of, you know, on the sales side, it's not hard for me to walk into a room anymore. I don't even get nervous anymore because I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to find somebody in that room and ask them a ton of questions about what makes them awesome. Yeah. And, and what do they like to do on the weekends? And where do they go to school? And what makes their business special? And how can I help them? Instead of pitching, which is what most people do, they walk in and they're like, hey, you know, I'm a real estate agent. I mean, you know, if you know anybody looking to buy or sell, I'm the guy. Um, but what I found is that you can really connect with somebody by just digging in on questions and having it be very mean meaningful, right? Like you're not asking questions just to hurry up and ask the next question. Like you, you want right. to you want to dig into that conversation a little bit deeper. And uh, and when I switched doing that, I just I just stopped getting nervous. I, have you ever gone to a networking event before? Yes. And it, it can be horrifying. It, it can be. Yeah. It, it, it's like pulling teeth. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you're like, you grab your drink and you go over to the corner and you're like, this is, I could, I can be watching basketball right now. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Uh, and instead, you know, if you want to have like a really powerful event, you figure out who the set list is, figure mm-hmm. out, you know, who, who's already coming. Who do you know that's going to be coming? Get yeah. to know them online a little bit. So that way, when you see them, you know, you, you can see them across the room, have some kind of questions teed up a little bit mm-hmm. instead of fishing around and, you know, kind of being a little bit awkward. But, um, that's like my networking 101, I guess, if you will. Right, exactly. What has surprised you the most about entrepreneurship? You know what, Brian? I feel like the, the number one thing for entrepreneurship for me is that I always assumed that once I attained that next thing, that that was going to be it for me, that I would mm-hmm. I would all of a sudden feel as though I got it, that I didn't need to keep moving anymore. And, uh, and you know, then I get there and I, I look back and I think that, dang, I got to keep going. Uh, because that wasn't maybe it for me. And so um, I don't know if you've heard of this theory behind like the gap in the gain where mm-hmm. you're like, you know, looking backwards and seeing all of that you've accomplished will make you significantly more grateful uh, for when you're moving forward. Uh, but I do notice that every goal I hit, as soon as I hit it, I'm ready for the next one. And so that was kind of a surprising thing to me. I, I sort of assumed that once I hit it, I'd be good to go. Um, but here we go. We're gone to the next one. Fantastic. What's the most influential book you've ever read? 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. Fantastic. John Maxwell is absolutely fantastic. If you could give uh, advice to the 18-year-old version of yourself, what would you tell him? Go harder earlier. Okay. And here's the question I ask everyone toward the end. Who motivates and inspires you? Uh, my kids. I want to leave I want to leave something for them. I want to have them uh, experience something incredible through their childhood and then leave behind a legacy that they're proud of. And so um, every day that's something that I, I focus in on and is is am I working towards that goal? I love that. So how can we find you? How can we try with you and vibe with you? Yeah, for sure. So check me out on Instagram. Uh, that's where I'm most active. Uh, so it's at Ken Posick. And then if you want to follow along the journey, if you're into the Orlando scene, uh, it's Ken Posick TV on YouTube. Fantastic. And I just followed you right now. Well, thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. And any final thoughts before we close out? Now, thank you so much for having me. I think that, uh, you know, doing these profiles, figuring out what makes people tick and then the action behind it is really where the, the secret sauce is, right? Being able to not just uh, hear something, but then internalize it and then go actually make the action happen is, is where the secret sauce is. Fantastic. Ken Posley, thank you so much for being here. It was a joy and a privilege to have you on the show today. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Please join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever and learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn from their journey so that we hopefully won't make the same mistakes that they might have made in our journey as well. Join us every Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern. I can't wait to have you come back next week. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a great day. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more 
Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.